This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. If at first you don't succeed, you can brush it off and try again. But how many times would you try something only to fail each time? That's the question posed in the biopic Nyad. Here's a clip from the trailer. Diana Nyad, world champion marathon swimmer. The swim I want to do is 60 hours. That's Cuba to Florida. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. That's insane. Diana, you tried that when you were 28, and you did not make it when you're 28. You're 60. I don't believe in imposed limitations. The only one who gets to decide if I'm through is me. Diana climbs up to a pool deck. Official selection at the Toronto, Telluride, and BFI London Film Festivals. Okay, just a little swim. Diana jumps in, feet first. It's 100 miles. For 60 hours of constant swimming. A boat escorts her across open water. But what I'm most afraid of is sharks and man of war. I just know I can do it, and I couldn't do it without you. All right, okay. Oh, oh, oh. Wrapped in towels, Diana howls as her friend smiles. What you want to do has never been done. I mean, especially not for a woman, especially not for someone your age. Amy Manti is an entertainment critic, and Amy has a review of the Netflix film. Hey, good morning, Amy. Good morning, Dave. Amy, why did this film, Nyad, spark your interest? Why did you hit play? Um, well, I think originally I hit play was because when I was watching the trailer, first off, I haven't seen Annette Benning and Jodie Foster in anything for a little while. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what are these two up to? Um, because I'm a big fan of these two actors, uh, award-winning actors. And um, originally, that was why I had wanted to watch this film. I'm not a huge fan, to be honest with you, about sports biopics, because sports and me are, eh. I know you're a bigger sports fan than I am, Dave, but I, I often, for, for the sports genre in me, I, I just find them too literal. Um, so I was a little bit to sort of wary going into that. But I thought, well, if Annette and Jody are doing it, maybe, you know, Maybe I can tolerate it for two hours. I, I do want to get into Annette Benning and Jodie Foster in a moment, but let's talk about Diana Nyad, the swimmer mm -hmm. themselves. What did you know about Diana Nyad before you started watching this? Absolutely nothing. I'd never heard the name before. Nothing. Okay. You? Anything? Uh, no, zero, zero zip, zero, zero. zip to not. I've, I've, I've got my, I've got my blank spots out there uh, too, Amy. I, I can't, I can't know about yeah. everything, and some of these things uh, do miss my radar. Okay, let's yeah. talk about Annette Bening and Jodie Foster. Uh, probably two of the best actors of their generation. Academy Award nominations, Academy Award wins, a few of the most important movies of the last forty years. Absolutely. How would you rate their performances in this movie? So here's the thing about biopics, right? Um, you are you are essentially becoming a character who is a real person. So that's a whole different level of trying to um, uh, encapsulate 
who that person is. So instead of trying to develop a character, you're doing a study on a real human being. And if the human being is alive, then you have access to that human being. And so your stakes are actually a little bit higher um, because your your authenticity is you're being you're being measured on a on a different measuring stick. If, if that makes sense, um, because the world has seen footage of Diana Nyad. Certainly you and I haven't seen footage of Diana Nyad, but the world has seen footage of Diana Nyad, right? And so um, the world would see these two, um, Diana and her and her best friend, uh, Bonnie, and they would know, oh, yeah, okay, that's that's what I've seen them in like in films. And, and that's right. So um, I would say based on some of the uh, scenes that I have seen. There's a whole bunch of uh, scenes at the end of this film that capture their the, the two of them together in real life, um, that there's a pretty good representation in terms of how Jodie Foster and Annette Bening have captured the essence of these two humans in real life. And that is super impressive and takes a whole different level of acting chops, a mm. whole different level of letting ego go uh, to do that kind of work. What I think about that, capturing the essence, it's difficult yeah. enough to try and replicate somebody else. How about trying to replicate chemistry of people who are de dearly close friends? Like, that can't be easy either. Well, I think, you know, Annette Bening and Jodie Foster are friends in real life, so that chemistry already exists, which I think is part of why the casting of the two of them it feels feels good for the for the watcher. So I go in already feeling like the two of those folks are solid as humans outside of being air, air quotes characters, right? Mm. Um, so you feel kind of safe with these two, even though they, there isn't a perfect relationship between these these two, as we sort of see in the um, in the trailer here. Obviously, uh, you know, Diana needs to convince her bestie that this is a thing because her Bonnie is not a swim coach by nature. Mm. Um, you know, she's a retired coach. Racquetball was her area of expertise, uh, quite accomplished in racquetball, but you know, swimming is a whole other thing. Um, and so you're, you're talking about taking two folks out of retirement um, and asking them to do thing, something that has never been done before. You mentioned that sports biopics don't do it for you, but I heard just a glimmer of admiration yeah. for biopics more generally in your last answer. Where do you land on biopics? Yeah, you know, generally I very much appreciate biopics. Um, they give me an opportunity to learn about things, in this case, I've obviously never heard about this story before. Um, and I very much appreciate that. Um, I like to learn in any film that I watch, you know, I, again, in some films, you know, they're purely for fun, but if I can get an opportunity to learn something, whether it be historical fact or, you know, something like this, which is uh, obviously really interesting to know about our, um, you know, not even pop culture, but just stuff that happens in terms of women's movement and all sorts of things. I really appreciate that where I don't know uh, where I don't know is where truth separates from fiction, right? Right. Because in any biopic, you know, they have they always call this poetic license. Where does that creep into any of this storytelling? And as the watcher, somebody who doesn't know the story at all, but in general, we don't know really where the truth and the sort of artistic license yeah. intersect each other and that's a really hard thing to sort out unless you're super familiar with a story unless you know a ton about the source material that's where i'm always leery of a biopic that 
simply portrays the lead character as a protagonist um, yeah. without flaws. I, 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 I love the music biopic genre. I'm big, big fan, and that's one of the reasons why I really liked the Johnny Cash biopic with Joaquin Phoenix. It's why mm -hmm. I really liked the Elton John biopic a couple of years ago, and maybe wasn't as in love with Bohemian Rhapsody because it really didn't get into the flawed person that was Freddie Mercury, whereas right. the Cash documentary, uh, Walk the Line, and uh, the Elton John documentary, oh goodness gracious, uh, they yeah. came out of that those 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 biopics looking awful. Yeah, well, certainly if you're if you're looking for a flawed human, Diana Nyad is a flawed human, and the ego on this woman, the way she treats people um, with this, uh, you know, my poop don't stink kind of attitude, um, is very like it's very prominent. Um, and does she become humble in the end and, and kind of say that because you know you're depending on a team of folks who are are you know she's the swimmer but it takes a team to do this kind of work right yeah. and as you pointed out at the beginning in your intro how many times do you fail before you say that's it you know we've done this however many times you know when do we say enough is enough right she didn't complete it when she was 28 um does she complete it now you know, somebody could Google it and find out the answer, or you could watch the film and yeah. find out the answer. Yeah. How many times does it take before you say, okay, we've done this enough times, or how many times does it take before you, you know, give up the ghost, right? So, and you've got a team of folks, right? How many times do you put them through that, asking them to put their lives on hold for no money, you know, on a dream, on somebody else's dream? Yeah. So when do you become humble about that? And when, when are you a jerk about that? And she's pretty much a jerk through the whole thing. A Amy, you mentioned uh, a perceived link between some themes here, the story and the women's movement. What was mm -hmm. that link that you put together? Well, I think for me, there's a, a, a strong case here for, for the women's movement. Um, oftentimes, I think, um, well, you know, we, we talk about this a lot, Dave, in, in women's circles, and I suppose in any circles, but... I just sort of pointed out that Diana Nyad is a jerk throughout this film. And she is, in all intents and purposes, treating other human beings not very nicely. If she was a man doing this very same task, she probably wouldn't be perceived that way. But because she's a woman, she is going to be perceived in this way. Um, but I think what's nice to note about this is that um, she is attempting something that has never been done before. And the way she is doing it is in a really empowering way. Her way about it maybe, um, you know, maybe needs a little bit of a humble check. But I think um, what has inspired this, because this all takes place at, sort of in the modern day context in around 2014. So it's relatively recent history when you think about it, in terms of, you know, how we um, empower young women, especially since She's swimming to Cuba, so there's a lot of uh, younger women in countries other than, um, you know, America and the USA that are being empowered by this kind of thing that another woman is doing. And I think that that really says a lot for women around the world and what kinds of things can be achieved. So that is not lost on me when we watch a film like this, especially when we think about um, feminism and ageism. Mm. How did the audio description stack up? The audio description was quite uh, was quite good in this particular one. Um, there were some moments in this particular film where Diana uh, starts to hallucinate. As you can imagine, if you're swimming for hours and hours and hours on end in the open ocean, um, 
that that may start to happen to yeah. somebody. And yeah. So there were these moments where, um, you know, you had to, uh, the audio description had to, to distinguish uh, what was being interpreted in Diana's brain as, you know, fact versus fiction. And we had to be able to keep up with, with what was happening. And so I thought it did a, a, an admirable job of making sure that I was kept in the loop about what was happening and when it was happening and following along on this, this journey that was happening both internally and externally, um, which is really important in a story like this. So I, I thought the, the audio description did an ad admirable job. Um, and biopics, it's again, biopics are kind of a, they're a tricky thing with audio description. I think sometimes audio describers don't really know what to do with that genre. Do you recommend Nyad? I would say, yeah, I, I think Nyad is, is, is a, a good, uh, uh, I think it's a great, I think it's a great film for a lot of reasons uh, for folks to check out. So if you're interested in the sports genre, if you're interested in the women's movement, movement, or if you just want to see what Annette and Jody have been up to, I'd hit play on this one. Right on. Amy, thank you for this. Thanks, Dave. That's entertainment critic Amy Amanti. You can find Nyad on Netflix. In one minute, Alex Smith will have the entertainment report. But first, there are no shortages of opportunities to shop online. Maybe today's a bit different? I don't know. Mike Dubusky has Cyber Monday thoughts and tech trends. Cyber Monday has almost become an extension of Black Friday itself. Valentina Palladino is the senior commerce editor at Engadget. She says despite the fact that many Black Friday sales have lingered through the weekend, Cyber Monday may still hold some surprises. We have in the past seen some particularly good laptop deals on Cyber Monday that we did not see on Black Friday. Well, that remains to be seen this year if that will happen again. But like Black Friday, Cyber Monday sales might not actually end on Monday. Retailers really want to kind of get people in and get them shopping, even if they're not able to do it specifically uh, within the 24 hours of Black Friday or Cyber Monday. So we definitely have seen the shopping period extend because of that. Consumers are expected to spend a record $12 billion on Cyber Monday. They spent $9.8 billion online on Black Friday. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, ABC News. Not quite that much money at the North American film box office, though, Alex. The numbers are in, especially because you expanded over the American Thanksgiving weekend. There's a lot of cash being flown around, and Dave Packer has the numbers from this weekend at the theaters. After folks finished their turkeys, they moved on to songbirds and snakes. See how quickly civilization disappears? The Hunger Games prequel at number one for a second weekend, making another $42.5 million over the extended five-day Thanksgiving period. The Joaquin Phoenix starring war epic Napoleon, the surprise number two, scenarioing around $32.5 million. And number three, a disappointing debut for Wish, the Disney centennial animated feature falling short of expectations, taking in just $31.7 million over the Thanksgiving weekend. Trolls band together and Thanksgiving rounding out the top five. Dave Packer, ABC News. Yeah, so Dave, this is the time of year where you start to see those prestige movies or, or the award-bait movies, as they're often called, start coming to theater. So things like Napoleon, these big epics. For instance, I saw on the weekend a movie, Saltburn. One of my, It's by far my favorite film of the year that I've seen, but I doubt anyone's heard of it. Including so me. It, including it was, me. What's Saltburn? Exactly. Honestly, I, I didn't hear about it until I saw the trailer right before going to see the movie itself. That's how kind of niche it was. But phenomenal. I, I also think, too, this is kind of the first time it feels like the in the post-pandemic, post-strike era that you're starting to see these these box office uh, kind of uh, hits start to make their way back into theaters. Yes, you saw you had the Barbieheimer 
explosion during the summer, but that seemed to be very much one-off. Now it's becoming more consistent. So uh, I want to start with, are you surprised by the fact that the Hunger Games recaptured top spot in the box office and not Napoleon? Uh so Hunger Games, I believe, is intellectual property that people are still interested in because even though there were four movies in the original series, it never felt oversaturated. I think people felt the story was compelling and all four of the movies were pretty good. And people still loved those books, right? People really liked those books. And I think there was an appetite, pardon the pun, for more Hunger Games content. And especially because the Hunger Games was set, whatever, it was 25 or 30 years sort of after the apocalypse, after the fall of society, I think people were kind of interested to get more of that immediate post-apocalyptic feel in their content and their storytelling. So Alex, I've got to confess, I'm not surprised that this movie is doing well, especially because it's familiar intellectual property that hasn't been oversaturated. I think it's been about six or seven years since the last Hunger Games movie came out. And it's uh, the, pre the, the the trailer looked good. Like like I've seen I've, I saw the trailer a bunch of times going to see a bunch of movies this summer, and the trailer looked good. Like like trailers still matter. You you just said that about Saltburn. Oh my gosh! Like yeah. the trailer can get you into a theater. And, and more than that, uh, from what I've heard from people I've talked to who've seen it, the movie is actually really good too. So if you're a fan, like that, also sells it. And to me, that's uh, I I think a bit of uh, what really give that a a boost at the box office this weekend because. The early reviews from Napoleon, Dave, were not very, mm, uh, mm. very good, and they weren't really selling this epic that uh, comes from Ridley Scott. And a lot of it comes down to the historic inaccuracies with Napoleon, and it's kind of becoming a bit of a trend for Ridley Scott, too. So <laughs> yeah. people really want to spend three and a half hours on a movie that's not really going to be accurate at the end of the day. I, I, still, I still kind of want to go, though, because Ridley Scott is one of these filmmakers that I still dig a lot of the stuff that he makes, and Joaquin Phoenix is such a great actor. And listen, Napoleon is a story that has not necessarily found its way onto the big screen particularly often. So I, 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 like, I'm probably going to be one of these folks who goes. I know I say this a lot. I'm like, I want to see this movie. I want to see that movie and then i never see any of them but but like i'm gonna make an effort in these next couple of weeks alex yeah absolutely dave before i go i want to just get a quick way too early prediction of the movies you've seen so far give me one prediction come award season for me i think barry keegan in saltburn deserves really high praise for his acting he should be nominated for best actor that is a bold prediction because very few have seen the movie but if you do see it you'll see what i'm talking about i'm racking my brain a little bit on this one alex so i'm just going to steal something from our senior producer andrika delanerol i really hope that come award season people don't forget how good blackberry was uh whether it was mm. the acting performances or the storytelling blackberry was phenomenal and i and i hope that uh, it receives some recognition uh come award season sorry andrika i'm stealing uh, one of your answers <laughs> alex thank you for this Thank you, Dave. That is Alex Smythe with the Entertainment Report. Coming up after the break, the Parapan American Games are in the books. Brock Richardson will stop by with a final update on some results from over the weekend. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hey, 
Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.